Amen. Who's ready? Woo! I'm ready. All right, listen, today is all about thankfulness. So it's a little bit of a strange message for me. Um, just because as I prayed all week long, it was very clear, this is about thankfulness. And when you preach about thankfulness, it's kind of like, sometimes, it's kind of like, well, what do we say? Like, hey, everybody, be thankful. Come on. You can do it. It's a good thing to do, right? So that's how I felt a little bit this week. But as I was praying, it was just very clear from the Lord, this is the word uh, of the Father for us. And specifically, I felt like he wanted to prepare our hearts moving into 2019. And so today is all about you taking time to thank the Lord for this last year and to find things to thank him for. And at the very end of it all, we're actually going to spend a significant amount of time where you journal with the Lord and you're going to make a list of all the things that you're thankful for. And then we're going to end the morning by standing up together and we're going to corporately proclaim all of our thanks to the Lord. And we believe what it's going to do inside of our hearts is just going to clear the way for the goodness of God to begin to flow in 2019. Amen? So are you ready? All right, I'm ready. So um, it's easy to cruise through life and forget to be thankful. It's so easy. You can just get busy, and it's not even like you're trying to be ungrateful, but it just happens, and, and life happens, and you, you get through your days, you know, day after day after day, and it's exhausting and it's tiring, and you just forget to be thankful. Um, but it's incredibly important to be thankful to the Lord because when you're thankful to him, he draws near to you. Amen? So Psalms 147, 1 through 11, it says this. For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He determines the numbers of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving and make a melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with the clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts the food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his pleasure in the legs of man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and whose hope is in his steadfast love. Say amen. amen. Say hallelujah. His delight is not in the strength of the horse nor in the pleasure of the legs of man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. If you fear him, raise your hand. And those whose hope is in his steadfast love, or is your hope in his steadfast love, then guess what? The Lord takes pleasure in you. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so giving thanks was a huge chunk of the culture of Israel, of the children of God for years and years and years. They were, uh, they were required to give thanks for their meals every single day. They were required to give thanks whenever they, they fell short and they missed the mark and they sinned. They would bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And throughout the whole year, there were feast after feast after festival after feast that were specifically designed to help God's children keep their hearts clean and keep him in right perspective and in thankfulness towards him. It was this huge part of their culture. And guess what? When they do it, life is good. Amen? But when they don't do it, historically speaking, according to the Bible, when they don't be thankful to what God has done for them, things get really bad. So if you've ever read any of the Old Testament, like any of it, you just open your Bible right now, open any page, and you're highly likely to see that this is true. When they don't give their thanks to the Lord, really bad things happen, okay? 
So we don't want to pound on this, but uh, the, the, the idea is that God loves to be close to people who are thankful and grateful to him. So a good example is a couple weeks ago, actually last week, my children. Um, hi, Jack. Um, my children, um, it was bedtime, and they weren't necessarily being very grateful or thankful to good old daddy-o. And it was bedtime, and I said, hey, guys, it's 8 o'clock. Let's go to bed. And what do they do? They just keep on playing. They keep on ignoring me. They're doing their own thing. They're having a blast over in the kitchen, but they're ignoring me. And I'm super tired this day. And so 8.15, hey, guys. Hey, for real? Mm-mm. Come on, bedtime. Let's go. And uh, what do they keep doing? They ignore me. They're like, just like dad's not even alive. And so another five minutes, ten minutes later, guys, enough. Time to go to bed. Get your stuff together. Let's go. Now hit pause. I'm not saying you should do what I did on this evening because I did not do it correctly. There's a lot better ways to parent your children. But on this night, I was really tired and I just wasn't up for it. So I get frustrated. I'm feeling disrespectful or disrespected. I'm not feeling disrespectful. Uh, maybe. I'm feeling disrespected, and so um, I have a few more of those like, come on, guys, that's it, ah, and they're ignoring me like I don't even exist. So I'm like, you know what? My kids love their bedtimes with Daddy, and it takes forever, and they have their favorite things every single night, and it's, it's fun. I love it, but it does take a long time. So I'm like, you know what? Fine. You're going to be a little brat? I'm going to show you how. You know, <laughs> I didn't say brats, but in my heart. Um, so I go upstairs. I kind of like pound up the stairs, you know. I'm like all mad. I get up there. I'm just like, oh, they're going to be disrespectful to me. And I grab their blanket. This is the blanket action, if you don't know. I grab their blanket. I throw it on their bed. And I get it ready. And uh, then I march back downstairs. And they come upstairs. And they're like, they figure it out. They're like, oh, no, 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 dad, dad, please do our bedtime. Please do our bedtime. No, no, no. And I'm like, look, look, if you're going to disrespect me, you're going to be rude. You're not going to be thankful for the time it takes for me to come into your bedtimes. No, you're not getting your favorite things. And I march off to my room. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. Um, <laughs> grace, grace, grace. Well, guess what happened the next night? My children became the most grateful, sweet, little, precious babies in the whole wide world. And they're like, Daddy, Daddy, please, please, can we have like a really long bedtime? And we really want tickles, and we really want stories, and we want two books, and not three, but you know, like, it's just like, oh. But they were very kind, and they were polite. And I wanted to be near them. When they were rude little jerks, I did not want to be near them. When they were nice, I loved to be near them and spend time with them. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> Anybody else uh, feel what I'm feeling sometimes? God has emotions the same way that I have emotions because his emotions he gave to me, right? God's the same way. When you're thankful, he loves to come close. When you're a rude little punk, he may not want to be close to you at that moment. So let me read just one story. Like I said, there's so many stories throughout the whole Old Testament that we really don't need to get into it. But this one is pretty, uh, pretty eye-opening. This is Numbers 11. The Israelites are in the desert. They've just seen the most amazing miracles that you could have ever hoped to see. They watched the ocean open and a bridge of, of land, dry land, for them to walk across. They've seen a, a water come out of a rock. It's just mind-boggling. So they're out there in the desert, and they're starting to get grumpy, and they start to complain. And they say this, verse 1 of Numbers 11. It says, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord, which is everywhere, right? He hears everything about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. 
Okay, so they're grumbling, they're complaining, and all of a sudden, the camp is on fire, and people are burning. So don't, don't do this. Don't complain, right? Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. And so the name of that place was called Taburia, Tabur, Taburia <laughs> because the fire of the Lord burned among them, okay? So you would think, all right, so they grumbled, they complained, they were ungrateful, they weren't thankful, something bad happened, something drastically significant happened, and they, they learned from their lesson, and they move on, and now they're thankful, and everything is good, right? Oh, no? Okay, so let's just read on maybe the next few chapters. Oh, no, the next verse, four. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, say, mmm. And the people of Israel also wept again. <laughs> Guys, this is one verse. Like moments later, okay? One verse later. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel wept again. And they said, oh, that we had meat to eat. <laughs> we remember the fish we ate in Egypt. And that cost nothing. Hello, you're slaves. Of course it costs you nothing because you have nothing in your entire life, right? Oh, the fish, it costs nothing. And then they go on in verse 5. It says, we remember the fish that costs nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. <laughs> but now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all. But this miraculous supernatural provision from God every single morning just outside of my front doorstep that tastes like honey and it's sweet and it's amazing. <laughs> Verse 10. But Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clan. So get this. The rabble started a little grumbling and complaining. Verse 10. Moses hears the people weeping throughout their clans. Everyone is at the door of his tent. Everyone is at the door of his tent weeping. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. And so here's what happens. We're going to jump to 31 in a second. But Moses says, uh, God, what in the world is this nonsense? These people are nuts. I don't know what to do. And God's like, oh, I know what to do. I know. Now, I don't want to misrepresent God. So this is just my human understanding of the situation. But when I read the, the story, I think of God as like, Oh, Moses, I know what we're going to do. You know what I'm going to do? They want meat. I'm going to give them meat. Okay, you listen here. We're going to bring so much meat. They're not going to eat for one day. They're not going to eat for two days. They're not going to eat for three days. Not a week, not two weeks. They're going to eat meat for a month, and it's going to be coming out of their noses before the whole thing's over. I'll show them meat. And so Moses is like, uh, Lord, um, <laughs> okay, that sounds a little crazy, but we're in the middle of the desert, and there's 600,000 men, plus women and children. This may be 2 million people. Oklahoma City Metro is 1.2 million people. So we're talking 2 million people. Moses says, I, even if you had all the fish of the whole ocean, I don't know that you would have enough meat for this people to feast for a month. You're crazy. And the Lord says, just you watch. So go gather 70, 70 of the elders. I'm going to take some of the anointing that's on you. I'm going to put it on them. And then I'm going to speak to them and tell them what we're about to do. So the 70 elders come. He takes some of the anointing from Moses. He puts it upon them. As soon as it comes on, they begin to prophesy. And the, the power of God is flowing in that place. But the Lord speaks to the 70 elders. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cause the winds to change. It's going to bring quail. And you will have meat. And I will show you what grumbling is all about. Verse 31, then a wind from the Lord sprang up, and it brought quail from the sea. 
and let them fall beside the camp. About a day's journey on this side, a day's journey on the other side around the camp, about two cubits above the ground. And the people rose all that day and all night and all the next day, and they gathered the quail. Those who gathered the least gathered ten homers. And they spread them out for themselves and all around the camp. And we're going to hit pause. So, wow, the winds change. Quail comes in. And it's like, oh, man, look at all this quail. We wanted meat. And we grumbled and complained. And look what happened. This is awesome. Let's go get it. This is blessing from the Lord for being a jerk to him, right? So the Israelites don't quite get it. The quail comes in, but it's easy to scan over what it says. It says about a day's walk that way. Which, from my understanding, in biblical times, we're talking like 15 miles, okay? And the quail continued to stretch another day's walk that way. You can go from here to Edmond in 30 miles. That encompasses Yukon and uh, Choctaw and this whole, we're talking a huge piece of land that all of a sudden, winds have changed and quail have blown in through this whole area. And not just like, okay, two cubits. Wow, that sounds like a lot. Maybe two cubits is like this tall, like, you know, four inches or three inches. No, guys, a cubit is 18 inches tall. All right? Your seat cushion is 18 inches tall. So 30 miles covered with three feet of quail. <laughs> What? You can't make this. I mean, you can make this up. Like that's the only way. It's not made up. It's real. You're gonna watch the movie when we get to heaven. So they're like, "Wow, we grumbled and complained, and look what happened. Yeah, we get meat. This is awesome. And there's so much meat." And verse 33 says, "While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was even consumed, the anger of the Lord kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great." Plague. Say boo. Okay, so this is not a theological, like, did God send the plague? And we're not doing that today. But here's what I want you to catch God, when we are close to Him, great things happen. And when we choose to leave His covering, bad things happen. Can we agree on that? So the Israelites, they're thankful to the Lord. Their needs are taken care of. They're protected. They're supernaturally being led in the wilderness. They have everything they need. Their shoes never wear out. It's amazing. And, and they're thankful to the Lord. But then when they choose to leave his blessing and they start to grumble and complain, that grumbling and complaining, the negativity is what caused them to leave his blessing. And all of a sudden, really bad things begin to happen. Okay? So that's kind of the point of the whole morning is when we don't take time to be thankful, it opens doors in our lives for negativity and for grumbling and complaining to step in. And when you follow those paths, you're actually choosing to step away from the blessing of the Lord that he wants to have in your life. Okay? So if you're happy and you're thankful and you love him, he loves to be close. If you're a rude jerk, not so much. And if you choose to walk away from his blessings, bad things start to happen. Another time in uh, the New Testament, Romans this was chapter 1, verse 18 through 24. It says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. 
For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart and was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Okay, what does that say? Can we turn the AC on? Are y'all hot? Okay, great. I'm sweating. So what does that mean? Basically... Their ungratefulness, uh, they were not thankful to the Lord, and as a result, not 100%, oh, there was so much more in that verse, but as a result of not being thankful to the Lord, God said, okay, fine, I'm going to give you over. You can go on to your sins and do your thing and have your life ruined because you're choosing not to be with me and be grateful for things that I give you. All right, so here's from my perspective what giving thanks is like in the kingdom of heaven. I have three parables for you. Um, so follow with me. Anybody know what a booger sucker is? <laughs> Anybody? We got two, three, four. Oh, yeah. You all know what it is. You're all lying. Put your hands up. Uh, it's called a bulb syringe. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> we call it the booger sucker. <laughs> it's blue. It's like from the 30s probably. And you squeeze it and it, you know, sucks stuff out. So the last couple of weeks, Grace has been really sick. She's not been feeling good. Um, she's had so much snot oozing from her face. It's unbelievable. She's had so much snot that oftentimes it gets clogged up in her throat. And we've put her down several times for bedtime where we put her down. Seems like she's doing good. And then all of a sudden we start hearing her cry. We go in there and there's throw up everywhere all over the crib. <laughs> it's gross. It's happened multiple times. She did it to Rachel the other day in the car. It's because the snot gets in there. It can't get out. So what do we do? We grab the booger sucker. We stick it up the nose and it sucks the snot out. And all of a sudden, bam, magical. She's all better. Life is all better. Listen, when you choose to be thankful, I believe in the kingdom of God, it's like sticking that booger sucker up into your life and letting go and pulling the junk out, like the, the negativity and the, the gross stuff of the enemy that he wants to pile in there and get you feeling bad. When you are using thankfulness, it pulls that junk out, and all of a sudden the life of God can flow like it's supposed to. Amen? All right, next one. Beaver dams. So Eli and I were in... Um, Camp Classen in the Arbuckle Mountains a couple weeks, a month ago maybe. And we're doing all these hikes with his fifth grade class. We were there for a whole week. And um, if you, it was great. I won't say anything. Um, so we're doing these hikes, really, really long hikes. And we get up to the top of the mountain. And you can see this huge lake, Lake Classen. And they point out in the lake there's this huge beaver dam. And it looks like an island. It's so big. It's like mind-blowing how these little tiny creatures can build this huge island in a lake, right? So we're ending the tour. We get down to the bottom of the trail, and I'm tired. I'm ready to go eat lunch, and I'm walking along, and out of the corner of my eye, way out there, I see this huge creature running across the path, and I'm like, whoa, and I look close, and it's a beaver. If you've ever, anybody seen a beaver up close? Okay, in my mind, I was thinking like beavers are like, you know, a little bit bigger than squirrels maybe, or like, I don't know, 
<laughs> like, you know, like that big. This beaver was like a dog. It was huge and terrifying. <laughs> like, it had to be a, a hundred pounds. I mean, this, it was like a person walking across the path down there. And it really scared me. So we're walking, and I'm like, okay, wow, beavers will watch out for those. And then we look over here, and their water is over here, and there's this tree. And like textbook, uh, and, and, you know, picture of how a beaver cuts down wood. It's like the perfect pyramid going like this. And I go, we all, oh, wow, kids, come look over here. You know, we go look. Guys, this tree, I'm thinking like twigs and little, you know, branches. This is like a, like a tree, like a giant tree that this beaver that just ran across. It looks like a huge dog. He just cut down a tree. So, and, and all the trees around were like 50 feet tall. We're, so we're talking this giant tree is what the beaver is using to build his dam. All right. So the beaver builds the dam. It floats around in the water. He builds this home. He's safe. He's protected. Um, none of the other predators can get to him because he's in the middle of the lake and he's happy. And he loves his little dam. Well, eventually the water begins to flow and it sticks it up in a place where it gets stuck. And it gets piled right there and then it continues to get piled onto right there. Uh, so, so then the water can't flow past the beaver dam anymore. If you own a piece of property that has a creek or a river, and you have this nice, beautiful river flowing through, and then one day the river drives up, what would you do? You're going to go look upstream, and you're going to go find out what caused the water to stop flowing on your property. Okay? You get up there, and you find that a beaver has built this huge dam, and there's this lake behind the dam now because of the beaver dam. What do you do? You're going to go piece by piece, and you're going to start dismantling that beaver dam, and then the water's going to begin to flow, and everything's going to go back like it's supposed to be. Okay, I believe that demons are like beavers. <laughs> they come into your life. <laughs> we should just stop it there, and then you can figure it out. You can just like Jesus used to do with his guys, like, uh, what the heck was that story about? Why did you take so much time to tell it? Demons are like beavers. They come into your life, and they're like, hey, you see that little log over there of negativity and ungratefulness? Mm, that's going to make a great place for me. Come on. And they pick it up, and you're like, oh, yeah, that'll make a nice thing. So you build up this little dam in your life in the middle of the river of God, because you know that from the throne of God, there is a river that flows, and it never stops, and it's all of his blessings, and all of his goodness, and all of his life, and all of his healing, and everything. But the, the devil comes, and he's like, hey, grab that little stick. Let's build a little raft. This will be fun. And you start building this dam, and before you know it, you have this huge dam of ungrateful beliefs and lies, and there's a whole lot to it, but today we're focusing on thankfulness. So all these unthankful thoughts, and all of a sudden, you look at your life, and you're thinking, I'm dry. I'm tired. I'm sick. My finances are dried up. My life stinks. What the heck, God? I thought this was the abundant life that you promised me. I gave my life to you. What's the deal? And I think the Lord just simply says, hey, go dismantle the dam. And so you go back, and your weapon of choice is thankfulness. So you go to the dam, and you pick up this log when you chose not to be thankful for the situation and you look at the log and you say, God, this thing stinks, but I'm still thankful for you in my life because, and you begin to thank God. Now, there's a really fine line here. I am not telling you that if you have a terrible thing happen in your life, that God did it and that you should thank God because he did this terrible thing to you. Say, no, Grant's not saying that. That's not God. God's a good God. He's a good father. He loves good things for your life. What I am saying is that when you have a terrible thing happen in your life, 
it's very easy to just kind of like shove it down and move on and let it pack in. But what God wants us to do is stop and take a look at that thing and process it in his thinking with thankfulness and say, God, even though I lost my job, even though I feel like I have no money and that was a hurtful situation and I shouldn't have lost my job, I'm choosing thankfulness because you're still with me. You still talk to me. My, I still have a roof over my head. I still, and you identify things that you're thankful to the Lord for. And what happens to that log? It, it vanishes. It like crumbles before you. And before you know it, as you work your way down, the beaver dam is gone. The river of life is flowing again as it should be. Amen? All right, one more parable. Um, this one's a little gross, too. Sorry. I told Rachel she might want to work in the babies today because of my sermon. Um, <laughs> so last year, I got to sell this really big piece of property. It was a 72,000-foot warehouse, and um, it had offices. It was really cool, cool property. Well, a part of the deal was that we had to fill it with tenants in order to make the rent roll look correct so that we could find an investor to buy the property. So that was a big part of our job. And every couple weeks, we'd get a phone call. Hey, guys, the sewer's backed up. Man, I was like, please come. It's coming up into the toilet. It's coming up into the office. It's coming up into this and that. And then we started getting pictures. I don't want to really gross you out, but I'm going to. There's, there was <laughs> pictures of human feces on the parking lot. It was disgusting, like the grossest thing you could ever imagine. And so we call the plumber out. The plumber comes out with like a 50-foot roto-rooter. It's a snake. It's metal. You shove it down the hole, and he starts wiggling around and tries to break free whatever's down inside of that four-inch pipe. And so he comes with this 50-foot one. He shoves it down. He works for a little while. He's like, I think I got it. Everything's cool. We flushed the toilet a couple times. Okay, great. Thanks. Next day, we get more pictures. And unfortunately, it was a church. And the church, it was a Sunday. The parking lot's full of stuff. And the guy's just super mad, understandably so, okay? Um, so we get another plumber out there. He brings a 100-foot rotor-rooter. He works all day long. He goes from, you know, clean out to clean out to clean out to clean out, and he works and works and works and works. So what he found out is that inside of the pipe, there were 20 to 30 diapers, baby diapers, 20 to 30 baby diapers. If, you, if you've ever used a diaper, oh no, that's the, if you, you know, for a baby. Um, I'm sorry. For a baby, it's flat, it's really small. There's a whole bunch of them coming in this little tiny package, but then it gets wet and it absorbs and it grows like this huge ball. 20 to 30 diapers in this four inch pipe inside of this thing. Well, no wonder everything was getting clogged up. It's like this in the kingdom of God. When a bad thing happens in your life and you have this poo in your hand, you're like, oh, get rid of it. Shove it down the drain. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to look at it. Just get rid of it. And you don't take time to process with the Lord and give, be thankful still in the midst of hard situations. Your pipe is going to get full and the water is not going to flow like it's supposed to. But when you choose to be thankful, it's like taking that Roto-Rooter and sticking it in there and dissolving all the junk. And you identify what you're thankful for in God, and he dissolves the stuff, and everything flows like it's supposed to. Amen? All right. I hope you're not too grossed out. Dinner's still, uh, lunch is still a little ways away. Um, in the Hebrew Bible... The word for thanks is yada. It means to throw, to give thanks, laud or praise, to confess something about God, to confess one's own sin. It's used 114 times in Scripture. 
Uh, according to Finnis Dake, who wrote the Dake Study Bible, one of my all-time favorite study Bibles, um, he says that the, the word thanksgiving, thankfulness, other forms of that are used 139 times. So throughout the whole Bible, you are commanded by God for a reason to be thankful. Okay? So let's look at just a few of those scriptures. Psalms 95.2. It says this. It says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Psalms 100. 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his sheep, uh, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen? Psalms 107, 22, it says, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Sometimes giving thanks is work, and it is a sacrifice. But if you don't do it, you're going to get clogged up, okay? It, it is worth the time to hit pause and to be thankful and to rejoice in the Lord. Psalms 136, verse 1 through 9. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, his mercy endures forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, his mercy endures forever. To him that made the great lights, his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day and the moon and the stars to rule by night. His mercy endures forever. Amen? So we're going to look at a couple examples in scripture where praise and thanks was done correctly and what was the result. And we're not going to read it because there's tons of scripture in these chunks here. But First Chronicles 15 through 16 is the first one. And this is when King David, he was in charge of Israel. And they had tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem once before. And they had a mishap, and so they just dumped it in the field. And this guy with the field is getting his socks blessed like crazy, and he's got really cool-looking socks. So David is like, man, I want that blessing up here in the, in the house of God, in Jerusalem, in God's city. So they go nuts in thanking God and praising God and sacrificing, giving gifts of thanksgiving, and all the way from where it was up into the, the place where it was going to reside. And then David appoints people, your job is to all day long give thanks to God, never quit, day after day after day, thank God for his goodness. Just find reasons to thank God for his goodness. Do you know that after this, Israel experienced the greatest blessings and times of peace that they had ever experienced up until that point? Do you think it was a coincidence? The answer is no. So you can say no, Grant. Not a coincidence. <laughs> um, the next one is Solomon in 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13 through 14. Solomon builds the temple for the Lord, and he goes crazy again, giving thanks and worshiping the Lord and blessing the Lord. He assigns people to give thanks always, day and night, day and night, give thanks to the Lord. And Solomon, there they go into an era of unbelievable abundance to the point that they, they were the wealthiest country in the whole world. They were considered the strongest, the most powerful. They were revered by everybody. To the point that silver was so common in their area that it was basically worthless. 
Now, I'm not trying to tell you that if you go give thanks very well, you know, consistently, that all of a sudden you're going to be rich. (laughs) It's not what I'm saying. But I am trying to tell you that giving thanks to the Lord draws the Lord into your life. And when he comes, he comes with some things. He is God. He owns everything, right? He comes with joy. He comes with peace. He comes with blessing. He comes with everything that we hope for. And so they definitely correspond together um, if we do it correctly. Colossians 3.17. We're commanded to give thanks in everything that we do. Revelations chapter 4 talks about the beasts that are around the throne. And the beasts, when they give thanks to the Lord, the Lord's in the middle of the throne. They give thanks to God. The elders who are around the throne then bow down with their faces to the ground, and they begin to worship the Lord. And the thanksgiving sparks that worship, and God loves to be right in the middle of that thanksgiving in heaven. Right now, in this very moment, he is on the throne being surrounded by thanks. He loves it. So if you want the Lord in your life more, if you feel dry, if you feel tired, if you feel visionless, if you feel hopeless, if you feel like this year stunk and everything about it was awful, if you want God to show up and do the things that he says he's going to do and the promises that you've read about in the Bible, one big key to this solution is being thankful and taking time to be thankful before the Lord consistently throughout your whole life. So here's what we're going to do to end the morning. Uh, Michelle's going to come back. She's going to play. We're going to bring the lights down a little bit, but we still need to be able to see. And I want you to take time to begin to make a list. And I want a big, big list because we're going to take a chunk of time to write out your thanks to God. I have pens up here. I have paper up here if you want some. You can use your phone. You can use your journal, however you want to. But we're going to make a list of thanksgiving to God. You're going to get to a point because I'm going to let it go on for a while. You're going to be like, I don't know what else to thank God for. And then that's when I'm going to say, hey, keep finding things to give thanks for. Like, don't quit. Force yourself to be thankful to the Lord. Make your list as big as you possibly can. And then after about 10 minutes, we're going to stand up together and we're going to use our voices and corporately thank God. We're just going to read through our list and thank him for his goodness. And I believe that corporately as a people, this is going to clear out the pipes and get you ready to be launched into 2019 to have an amazing year with the Lord. Amen? All right. So grab, you can come grab some pen and paper if you want, and let's get after it.